if you'll turn to your Bibles to the book of Numbers in chapter 6, verse 22. If you'd find that and and stand that as we read that portion of Scripture together this morning, we'll look together to the Lord. Please rise. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Please join me again in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us the help of your Holy Spirit, that we would not just merely hear words cross our ears, but that you would attend your word and make it living and active. That, Lord, it is such, but we know that unless the Spirit of Christ applies this living Word to our lives, Lord, we miss all that You intend to declare. And so we pray that, Lord, You would attend the ministry of Your Word, both its preaching and its hearing, with the help of Your Spirit, that we, Your people, might come into a greater intimacy with You, a greater appreciation of the depths of Your love and Your mercy in which we rest. And so, Lord, we pray that You would transform us for Your glory evermore this day. For we ask this in the powerful name of our living, eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. When I began to read the passage, I wondered if some might say, well, that was the shortest sermon I've ever heard. Because I normally hear that passage of Scripture proclaimed or read or declared when the service ends. It's a, it's a good way to land or end a service before people head on out. Everybody knows the service has ended when a passage like that is read or declared. My friends, this morning I come and I bring this passage of Scripture to us that we would consider what it is that the Lord is declaring to His people. Why it is that He had instructed Moses to instruct Aaron to declare these words, and why these words should be the final words He intends for His people to hear before they leave His presence in corporate worship exiting into the world to live their lives and days. I explained to the elders, I, this is a, these are four sermons here. And I'm not going to try and squeeze four sermons into one. I won't do that injustice to the text, nor will I do that disservice to you. And, uh, and so this morning, I just want to consider a few things from this passage of Scripture to begin to set our minds on the path of thinking through these things. And so this morning, I just want to consider, one, some of the context of the things that are being declared here. 
to just why the Lord would have us invoke or have His name invoked and placed upon us. And last, why did He have to command these things to be done? And so that's all I intend to try and accomplish today. And if Lord gives us other opportunities, if I ever am able to speak in in this place again, I'll come and I'll continue to try to do my best to unpack the truths of God's Word from this text. But today I'll just give you what I've got for the moment. And so I want to begin by relating and and bringing back a... uh, a story that is relayed, I'm not sure of its source, and, but a story that was relayed about an exchange that happened with Martin Luther and a, and a uh, fellow church member. He was approached after having spoken of, again, the free grace of God shown to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ and, and teaching and preaching about our hope and our steadfast confidence of, of eternal life because of what Christ has done for us and Somebody approached Dr. Martin Luther and asked him, how do you know, or do you know for sure? How do, do you know, do you feel, Mr. Luther, Dr. Luther, that your sins are truly forgiven? Well, we as Christians, we come together in a place like this and we put on a, a good face. I don't wear ties and I don't even wear these dress slacks Monday through Friday. And Saturday it's even worse. We put on a good face and we put on a good presentation and when we greet each other we say, it's great to see you and we say we're doing fine. And and as a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ for a good number of years, I know the story that you all know too. That the Christian life is one, although filled with the great blessings of God upon our souls, yet they are days that are visited with trials and tribulations. That there are people in this place who are going through difficulties in their lives that no one else in this room knows about, but they are frightened of or burdened with, and they cry out with an anguished soul to God and say, but God, you remember so-and-so and such-and-such a person... And in the dark hour of our despair, all of us at some point, and those who grow longer in the things of faith will know exactly what I'm saying. At some point we'll say, God, do you remember me? I know you remember so-and-so, but do you remember me? I'm buckling under the weight of this trial, but do you remember me? These words that the Lord has given to us as recorded in Numbers chapter 6 are words that we need to hear and feast our minds and our hearts upon this day. And not just this day, but every day we abound by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That these are the words that we need to hear that we might walk in light of what we know to be true and not being driven by how we feel in any given moment. That God has spoken these things to us. And and again, a benediction or this benediction, those words printed in our bulletin this morning, benediction, 
isn't just a, a sophisticated way to say the service is concluding. That word means in Latin a good word. That God calls His worship to conclude with the laying on His people a good word. And not just some encouragement to give you a kick in the pants or a pop in the behind that you can walk out with a little bit more of an oomph in your step. He gives us these words. This benediction is given that we might again understand how when His people by faith draw near to Him, just how steadfast and true our living God is. One had written about this passage that this, this benediction, this proclamation, this is the blessing of God uh, is encapsulated in, in that it holds forward the goodness of God in action. In action towards His people by which a supply of all the good things of God is poured out for us. All His good favor is brought to us coming from the source or the fountain of any and all that is good. And so it's curious that the Lord speaks these things. The Lord, we read in verse 22, or 22 says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Those words should ring whenever there's repetition. My house, I have six children. Four of them are still at home with me. And my children know that when I would ramp up repetition there was to be a greater heeding of what was being said. And so it is with God's Word. We, we know that from passages like Isaiah. In, when, in Isaiah 6, when it is recorded, or the declaration, the song of the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In this place, let us not fail to see the importance of the name of the Lord that is put before us in the benediction. He cause us to pay attention to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Now I know some, uh, there are different names for the Lord in Scripture. There are names in Hebrew, Elohim or Adonai. There are words, the names of God are translated Jehovah or Yahweh. There are different names of God through the Scriptures that are given to us. But in this place, God invokes the name of Himself that is the covenant name, uh, that is His covenant name for His people. Different than the name Elohim, which is a word that was used across other religions for their God. It was a general declaration about God but not the name of Yahweh, not the name of, Yeho of Jehovah that is the Hebrew name used in this place. 
It is a name different. It is a name intimate. It is a name specific. It is a name reserved only for the living true God in His dealing with His covenant people. And only for them. I'm asked oftentimes, well, how should I introduce you? Should I introduce you as Mr. Strong? Should I introduce you as Reverend Jason Strong? How should I introduce you in some formal way? Well, well, that is a formal declaration. And my family sometimes has kind of wrestled with, well, how do I relate to Dad in public? He has a, he has a position in the church. He is pastor. He is Mr. Strong to some. He is Pastor Jason to others. I've reminded them from time to time, but you, you, my family, can call me Dad. You, because your mind get to call me by a more intimate name than others get to call me. And that is what God is doing for us in this passage of Scripture. He is, first of all, with the intimate name of His being, coming to Moses, saying, place that name. Place the intimate name of me on my people. That they might know me in a tender, gentle way. But we need to do a little background. A big, if you ask most people, what, 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 what's your Old Testament knowledge? Most people will say, well, I know, you know, the creation. I might know the fall, but, you know, the Ten Commandments always comes out as a, as a core thing that people generally know about the Old Testament uh, uh, knowledge or information. What shouldn't fall on forgetfulness is that the Lord has given us in the third commandment as recorded in Exodus chapter 20 he has recorded for us in verse 7 the declaration that we are not to take the Lord's name in vain for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name it's curious that God protects His name, and yet protects His name, and yet here in the benediction says, speak my name to my people. Speak it. Speak it boldly to them. Speak it often to them. Well, we understand that in the, the, the commandment, that we know that the commandment of the Lord to not take His name in vain means that He commands us uh, not, to be, not to abuse or disrespect His name, not to, not to use it in a manner that is unworthy or directed towards unworthy or ignoble or unholy objects. But here in this place, He tells us, He commands us, to receive it, to use it. And if the lawgiver himself commands that his name ought not to be taken in vain, yet commands its usage, if the lawgiver, the standard of righteousness as it is given to us in Exodus and, the, and uh, in Deuteronomy, it should be informative to us that when God commands its use in this place, He commands it because He intends it to be understood that it will be effectual and fruitful 
and abundant in the lives of his people. That it will not fall short. That it is proper to understand him in these things. That when the Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron to say, the Lord bless, the Lord make, the Lord lift, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. May my people know that what declarations follow my name are as good as gold. And they can take that home all the way to the bank. All the way. And so let us first remember as we come to think about this passage of God's Word that God says, invoke my covenant name Invoke my name that is singular for my people. Invoke my name and cause them to know what is promised to them is as good as gold. And notice, notice, friends, it's not the Lord bless you and keep you as as long as you don't sin. As long as you do what you should do, as long as you don't struggle not to forgive or to forgive. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He is doing, He will do, He will will continue to do these things for His people, period. If He fails, then His name is used in vain. It is trustworthy, true, and sure. That's the first thing. But again, well, that's the first thing and the second thing. Part of the second thing. As I wander, I lose place in my notes. So so we've covered a couple, almost a couple points. Again, I want to pick up, though, by us understanding that this name is an intimate name, the covenant name of our God. And that again, this name is the same name that is used in Exodus. It is used when when Moses in Exodus chapter 3 is prepared to, or is being sent back to uh, Egypt to to again, to begin to protest uh, the freedom of of the Lord's people from Pharaoh. Moses asked the question of the Lord in verse 14 these things. He wanted to know by what name? Uh, should I tell them I have uh, who, that, that God is doing this? In verse 14, we read that God said to Moses, I am who I am. And He said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. In verse 15, God also spoke to Moses saying, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. It is that name that God uses when He declares in the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He uses this name again that there will be no confusion in the ears of His people, who and how dependable are these things that are to come? Again, there is no uh, condition 
laid upon these things. When God uses His name, He causes us to understand that its effectualness does not rest upon us. It doesn't get this. It doesn't even rest upon our desire to receive these things. I'm a minister of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've been ordained in this church since 1997 as a minister of Jesus Christ. And I would lie to you if I would say that every time I came to do the work that I was supposed to do, my heart was always, always tender. That there are some times, even in rebellion, when you're struggling with sin, as a minister of the gospel, and you say, I don't want to forgive that person. They've just really wounded me. You preach the word and you preach it and wrestling with what God's command is upon your life. I know as a congregation member you wrestle with that too. But what we hear in the benediction is God saying, because it is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, it isn't dependent upon your desire to rend from my hand or your ability to rend from me these things. That even in your hostility at times... I am still steadfast and faithful in what is proclaimed. If you are mine, this is what you will get. Now doesn't that, or it should, I should say, cause us to praise God? That He would would love us and pledge His love and His faithfulness to us even though we may struggle and kick against Him in obedience. A sign came up in my neck of the woods. I love to read church signs. And what are they saying? And Obedience is the key to blessing. No! No! It is a humble, abiding faith in Jesus Christ. It is His work that by faith I abide in. Faith that He gives me to abide in. That is the key to receiving God's blessings. So the kicker of the benediction is, friends, whether we want to be dealt with this way or not, when God commanded Aaron to say, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, He was making it very clear in the recipient's ears, that these things are not dependent upon you, but upon me. My name is at risk if these fall short. It's synonymous or similar to God in the covenant with Abraham. He had Abraham bring the animals together, and as was was typical in the day of making covenants, animals were cut in half, and the kings or those who would make treaty with each other would pass through the halved animals, pass through the blood and the entrails, and meet in the middle and, and agree in a pact to, to continue in the agreement and saying such that if I violate my command, may what be done to these animals be done to me if I fall short. And yet we see in that covenant with God and Abraham, Abraham doesn't pass through the cut animals. God passes all the way through to meet him, saying to Abraham, the conditions of the covenant are full, fully to be met in me. God is saying that yet again in this passage. This is my 
This is my dealing with my people. Again, it is to the people of the Lord. We read in verse 23. He says to Aaron, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. And you may say, Well, that was the people of Israel. This is just some interesting good Old Testament stuff. No, friends. If we, by faith in Jesus Christ, abide in Him, if we abide in Him, we are God's children, joint heirs together with Him. We are still uh, dealing with a covenant-keeping, a covenant-faithful God. We read in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul say, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. And we read in Romans 4 that when Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well as, as to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham as he had before he was circumcised. And yet we read in Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. No, friends, this is for his children. This wasn't for Old Testament Israel. This is for His covenant people. These words and these truths are for you and me who by faith are knit to Him. These are good words for us. Why though? Why would Aaron be asked or commanded to deliver these words if God was using His personal covenant name and speaking to His people and wanting them to be sure that they understood His particular blessing, why does God not just tell us, make sure you teach the people these words? Why declare them publicly? Why does God say, tell Aaron to bless my people singular in a corporate environment? Why a good word for me delivered in the presence of the whole covenant family? It may very well be, dear friend, that we need to hear these words and that you need to hear these words given to me. That you and I both need to recognize this is how God views you and me. That this isn't just about me, but brother, I, I, I'm not pointing you out, but if this is how God deals with you, what's your name? Jason. Oh, that's a fitting name. I can remember that. But if this is how God deals with Jason, then when I'm, when I'm prone to get ticked off with Jason, I need to remember, hey, wait a minute. God didn't just say, the Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. He didn't say that just to me. He said that to my brother. So if that is God's perspective towards him, that must be my perspective towards him. When we hear these words corporately declared and corporately laid upon us as individuals and families, we are reminded of how vast God's great love is and how far-reaching it is and how we should train our minds to align with His, his view and His perspective. Oh, how sinful, friends, how we need to be reminded that He is for us. And He's not just for me. Sometimes we need to be reminded He's for Jason.
and for Kathy and for Caleb and for John. I know my time is winding down. See, I told you I couldn't do four sermons in one. But the other thing I wanted to bring out for us as we begin to look at this is why in verse 23, why did God say to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons uh, and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel? Why did it take a command of the Lord to make these things known to his people? Why would he command them to perpetually be brought? This, these words that they're given to us, that it is written in such a way that it is intensified. That God didn't merely just say, do it, meaning do it once. Once is good enough. They should know. I've said it once. Are there, are there mothers and fathers in this room? Are there husbands and wives? Let me ask you, dear friends, are you content or are you happy to to only have once in your life to have your spouse say, I love you? Do you think our children, if at birth they only heard their parents say, oh, I love you, my little bundle of joy? Do you think that is sufficient for them? Do you think a kiss goodnight is, is just one time is, is sufficient to carry them on and, and encourage them and say, I know my dad loves me. He told me once I had a picture of him kissing me when I was a baby in the crib. I see that picture, or I was told about it. No, we need to be reaffirmed time after time after time. And God commands these things to be done and laid upon His people because we are prone to doubt. We are prone to wander, as the hymn writer wrote. Wander from the one I love. And yet God says, I will come to you every day every instance and remind you of my steadfast love. And you know what, Aaron? You know what, sons of Aaron? You may not want to even do this. Because sometimes difficulties rise in church life. Sometimes you may not feel like laying my blessing on my people. I know you'll say, oh, Jason, that doesn't happen for a minister of the gospel. He could never do that. He could never want to withhold mercy and blessing from God's people. Well, it's anecdotal what I tell you. But just sometime, turn to the book of Jonah and see how willing and free he was, was wanting to be with the work of the gospel to those that were hostile to him and the message of salvation. God says... He commanded Aaron to do these things and he commanded them to be done repeatedly and often because his people needed to hear often of the steadfast love of the Lord that would never diminish or wane. As Presbyterians, we from time to time read passages like this and we find just another good proof text for the regulative principle. Do this, do this, do this. But again... This command is curious because, because, again, I think it really addresses for us how religious leaders can often be stingy or frustrated with the people of the Lord and want to withhold from them His kindness. And God says, no, no, no object, no one will be able or should ever stand in between me and my people and their knowing 
of my fullness towards them. This is a command. This command was given to ensure that the Lord's plan of of hearing these things by His people would surely, uh, again, that His kindness and His tenderness, His love, would not be again frustrated or cut short. He commands it to be done because it is of the utmost importance to us. Because you and I will leave this place. And you and I at some point this week may be confronted with some hardship and some tribulation, some difficulty, and you'll say, but God, don't you remember me? To which in your ears He intends for these words to hear, saying, Jason, remember I said the Lord bless you. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Remember my words. Remember my words. We're going to leave this place today. And we're going to sin. And some of us are going to sin boldly. And some of us are going to sin greatly. But we're going to sin. And God sends us from His presence and He says to His children, I'm going to lay this on you. I'm going to lay these words of blessing on you knowing, knowing that you're going to do this. Knowing that you need to hear this. That you would not lose heart. That you would know I I love you. You are mine. Martin Luther was asked, Dr. Luther, do you feel like God forgives you of your sins? He said, no. I don't necessarily always feel like God forgives me of my sins. But he said, I know he does. Because his word says so. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. Dr. Luther said, I know he does. And this, friends... Some of you may even this morning be wondering, Lord, do you remember me? Do you remember me? Well, the Lord says these words to us that should ring in our ears. That this is how the Lord is for us. That He would bless us and keep us. Really? Keep us? In spite of how ugly my sin is? You'll keep me? The Lord will make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Really? Knowing I will kick against you? That the Lord will lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Really? This is what I can know? This is what the Lord intends for you because He has said so. So when your heart fails you, And your mind says, He doesn't love me. He's not for me. Flee to the truth of what God has said and sealed with His own very name on your life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness to us. Lord, we know that we become Your children through faith in Jesus Christ. That we can know that we are safe and secure because of what He has done for us in which we abide.
But yet, Lord, we know that on this side of glory, we are not all that we are intended to be. That you have not completely sanctified us. That our struggle against sin is not uh, completely over. And so we ask, O Lord, that you would cause us to hear these words. And may they be sealed deep within the recesses of our mind. So that, Lord, we might find comfort in the midst of our tribulations. That we might find help when the refiner's fire is hot. So bless these things, we pray this morning, for your glory in our lives, for your glory in this world. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.